0: back to another hour of scotch hour i'm noah
1: and i'm jesse
0: all right jesse so tonight uh, we have a brand new smarter challenge we do aliens versus the predators <laughs> that's right <laughs> we went to a brand new uh, restaurant uh korean barbecue yeah and we have a great scotch that we're going to review tonight oh. i hope uh obviously i know like the last couple of um scotches <laughs> that we tried from this particular house the Macallan.
1: The Macallan.
0: Scotch
1: review. The Macallan twelve-year double cask. Double cask and. You know, I think one thing we both agree on fullheartedly: uh, the McAllen does an amazing job with their packaging. Like, oh look yeah, at that
0: blue. That just blue just pops, pops on the camera. Yeah, it
1: does. <laughs> we did the triple cask uh, way back when, and this is a double cask with American and European oak casks. Mm, yum. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been looking forward to this one all week.
0: The McAllen. Right, we've talked about the history a few times uh, on here. Yeah. So I would just say, if you want to know the history, just kind of go back to our episode where we talked about, uh, I think our Thanksgiving episode, because this is where we talked a lot about it.
1: The Macallan, Macallan. yes, edition number six.
0: Third largest selling single malt scotch. Uh, Second largest by volume. Founded originally in 1824 originally the uh, owner or the founder of, <laughs> of the McAllen kind of pissed off everyone because uh most of them were bootleggers and uh a lot of them didn't want to have to um go along with the uh the excise tax or the excise act to where they basically there there was a set tax amount or whatever and then eventually it changed hands multiple times and Stuff like that. And then there's a little bit of a shady history yeah, there. Yeah, add
1: some downs before they add some more ups. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, <laughs> all right. Um, once again, you can check that out on our Thanksgiving episode.
1: Much like the box, the bottle, very handsome. Uh, They just do a nice job with that bottle with the angles with the weight and as we talked about ever since some of their questionable past they do a nice (laughs) job with their little holographic factory seal Um, and like I said man. A lot of times that kind of reminds me of like
0: the Italian wines with the DOCG, DOC uh, designation on there. They have that little strip that like says hey this has been this meets the regs
1: you know another thing is is that it reminds me of is whenever you buy some official formula one or ferrari apparel always have one of those (laughs) two maybe it's just on expensive things maybe (laughs) i mean broncos jerseys what 150 200 bucks actually they have those too yeah exactly nfl (laughs) Bing. all right Oh, yeah. you're onto
0: some Holograms on nice, uh, nice things. That's
1: right. All Scotch Shower apparel comes with a hologram. Now you know.
0: <laughs> Where are these fine apparels that I can uh, get <laughs> my hands on one?
1: Well, I'll have some for a show on a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> Italian made? Probably not.
0: <laughs> All right. So, uh, are we going to try this bad boy here? Or yeah,
1: what? I'm just you know. I've been literally dreaming about this for a week. The uh, pressure is so great. I'm like, do I open it? Do I actually open it? Well, let's pop this bad boy open.
0: Doesn't that have its normal little little tear thing?
1: It's more complex than that with the the McAllen. Oh, I, yeah, player. that hologram, man. It's it's hot. You don't have to jack up the entire cap label oh. to get it off. Oh,
0: oh I heard that little pop.
1: Yeah. This is fancy.
0: Seems to have some nice color to it. It's coming out of the bottle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Listen to the pour. All right, Jesse. uh, So uh, I guess it's time to review uh, this fine scotch Mm. here. Do you want me to go first, or would you like to go first?
1: Either way, what do you prefer?
0: I'll go. How about if I go first, and and, then you can uh, you can.
1: I'll re pour while you're speaking. So yes, you can re pour, and then then you
0: can take us home on the on the on the review here. Okay, so for me. Uh, and this is kind of like where I kind of fall into the same category I did with Lagavulin, where when I drink the, like, I love the Lagavulin 16. It's like one of my favorites. But like when I have the Lagavulin 8, it's good on its own. But if I never had the 16, I would never compare it to it. And so therefore, like when I drink the Lagavulin 8, I was always, I'm always thinking like it's no Lagavulin 16. In this case, because I had this that This is edition. no Christy Brinkley. <laughs> in this case, like this this 12, the double cast, it's really good. But I think in my back of my mind, since just a couple of weeks ago, like for our Thanksgiving show, we had the editions number six. I'm like, this is no editions number six. Um the color is not a dark uh, brass like it is on the A6, but it does have a nice, like, copperish color to it. It's a little bit lighter, but darker than some of the other ones that we've also reviewed uh, recently as well. So I do like the color. Um, I, I kind of go with the light co- copperish, but I guess you can kind of say, like, a amber gold, if you will. Um, for me, on the nose, I am getting malt. Um, and, and this is kind of where... It, I'm not even really sure if that you would find this from the uh, from the Scotch Maker, but when I when I go down this malt category, it almost kind of reminds me of you remember like the old like uh, canisters of hot cocoa yeah. from Hershey's and you pop it o- open. Malted and you get, milk. Yeah, you just get that initial like yeah yeah. yeah that's kind of like what I kind of get it here on the nose a little bit. I do get some um, dried apricot and. Um, and some dried fruit. However, this is just if I'm smelling it out of out of the uh, out of the glass. Um, when I do the uh, test, when you put it in your palm you and I smell it. When I smell you can't hear me. You can't hear me I do that. Um, I get more of a floral and vanilla smell to it. Um, when it comes to the palate, I get kind of like a uh, some hints of uh, brown sugar, uh, honey nut Cheerios hmm. and a slight bit of creaminess to it, all right. And then, um, on the finish, Is more of a dry malty with cinnamon and dried fruit flavors. Uh, overall, the I'd say the body is pretty medium bodied. Uh, there's a couple of spikes here and there in, in the palate, um, but it's not so drastic to where it really takes away from it, and as we know. I think as you and I were discussing earlier, I, I tend to like the the, uh, the scotches that are pretty well balanced with like almost no like uh, no spikes. This one does have a couple of spikes in it, um, but it's not super drastic to where it derails from the taste for me. So that's just, that's kind of my um, my review there.
1: All right. Well, when I drink this, and you got to consider price points are always a thing to consider as well. So the McAllen 12 double (laughs) cask, right around the $60 price point. Um, Some places we've seen it as high as $75, but typically right around $60 to $70 is the price point. Um, 12 years, double cask, American and French. And for me, it's quite a treat for that price point. It is not gonna be it's not in my top two favorites man um but man it it is good so uh much like you said for me it's got that I wanna go with medium amber gold color, which is good. I, You know, it's interesting. The more I think about color, the less it, it matters because some of the best scotches have actually had super light colors. However, um, traditionally, the less filter it is or the smokier or peatier it is, um, sometimes that's contrary. Again, now with Lagavulin, um, Lagavulin 12, you look at the color of that thing, it's pale in comparison, but I'm betting it's a little more robust. Um, Oh man, the nose on this one. I immediately get just a teeny bit of of citrus, but not like the shocking orange. It is um, almost like a mix between orange and apple and butterscotch. And that finishes up with, you mentioned a little bit of the floral notes, very little, very mild with the floral notes, but um, almost like an apple toffee. And when I taste it, I'm tasting those same things, which sometimes when I, you know, really consider the nose or the aroma of a scotch and then I taste it, it's completely different, man. When I am tasting this, it is exactly that. Um, it is super smooth to me super smooth. Um, again, it starts right off with just a teeny bit of citrus followed by a nice body of creamy butterscotch. And then that kind of translates and transfers into, you mentioned Cheerios and malted milk. I think that's kind of that transition from butterscotch to toffee for me. And then it's got just that little bit of apple, which is delightful to me. Um, very fresh, um, Clean, clean scotch. This is a clean scotch to drink. This is definitely a gentleman's scotch, I would say. Uh, you know, not uh, one of these <laughs> rougher versions we've experienced uh, in the past. The finish. One of my favorite things always is oak. And this has that uh, fresh, fresh, um, felon. You know, if you want to use the English term, felon, a fresher oak flavor in it to me. And you mentioned the spikes. Just for me, it's pretty well balanced. I, I don't really get the spikes so much. Uh, it's just creamy butter toffee.
0: I guess you could call more like road bumps and spikes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because there's other speed ones. Speed humps. That, yeah, yeah, speed humps. <laughs> Because there's other scotches that have like the boob, the huge spikes. This doesn't have a huge spike. It's just like, they're kind of like more like bumps. You can just, you can just kind of through the palate from start to finish. There's just a couple little.
1: I think that freshly fell oak, if you will, uh, young oak is kind of the final taste I get. And again, I dig it. I love oak in wine and in scotch. Um, because of that, right, the tail of the taste and the body, it's it dries. It gets very dry to me. It doesn't get sweet. It doesn't um, linger on forever. But it starts to dry into an, an anticlimactic finish <laughs> almost. Um, but a pretty damn good scotch.
0: I think it's a great scotch. Um, what's the ABV on this one? Oh. I think it's is it 43%.
1: It is 43%. I, th- okay. I, th- I think they like to stay consistently at that. All
0: right. Great. Um, overall, I think this is a great scotch. Um, I think if I was going to bring one to, let's say, uh, I'm just talking about the Macallan's from the ones that we've tried and the, like we've had this one and roughly around the same price point is the triple cast. Yeah. And if I was going to bring one of these two, like the triple cask or the the 12 year triple cast versus the, the double, double, cask. double cask, I probably would go with the triple cask if I was bringing it to like Christmas dinner. The triple me, just had a little bit more flavor to it. It was just a little bit more smooth. Uh,
1: If I knew my audience well, I would say if they were true Scotch connoisseurs, then I would probably do the same. However, I think there are some delightful things about the the palate on this Scotch. And for me, it's really that butter. It's a super creamy butterscotch followed by toffee with a hint of apple, man. Like this is like... uh, It's it's pretty dang good. Like I don't. There's zero complaints here.
0: (laughs) So you know what this means, right? This means eventually we're gonna have to have a showdown. Showdown. Showdown between the double and the triple.
1: And also the double sherry.
0: Oh yeah, Uh, the black box. Yeah, the black box. We gotta do that one too. That's right,
1: James Bond. We're coming for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the 18 year old. There's a 12 year old too. So. All right. um, Anything else that we want to mention about this particular before we go on to our uh, our shout-outs? It it
1: had me at the box.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's time for our shout-outs.
1: Yes. Shout outs. All right. This week, very happy to uh, give uh, my final shout out of the season for Formula One's Max Verstappen and Honda pulling it off. At the last minute. And when I say the last minute, you're talking about uh, a race that's a couple hours long. So you got, you know, roughly 120 minutes. No, we're talking about pulling it out on the last lap of the race, passing the current world champion, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, everyone on that team is rightfully upset. Nobody wants to be a loser after winning seven world championships. Actually, uh, eight if you include Questionable Nico Rosberg. Way. Questionable <laughs> And there is uh, obviously always going to be drama, but nonetheless, you know, for me, Noah mentions the questionable win, and that's regarding a couple of potential laws within question at the moment. Uh, For me, the moment I saw that Lewis Hamilton was absolutely defending... Max Verstappen's attempts to pass, th- that to me meant, uh, yeah, you've already given up on any of the safety car rules. You are racing just as much as he is. You might have been better off. You might have had a better chance just uh keeping the speed limit nice and like 60 miles per hour instead of 180 and uh, letting him by like, hey, why is he passing me? We're supposed to have more time with this safety car. But when you're full on racing and defending, no, Max was Brilliant. I want to use the word brilliant in his craft, in his uh, physical dominance, so and also it just uh, in his mind game. You, Max and honda uh doing it again for formula one taking that championship away from mercedes um you know even if they did overturn it no one in the world would agree and you guys in my mind and heart have won and max when max was young he made a lot of unnecessary mistakes in my mind and this year he absolutely turned into the man I want to see winning more championships in this formula one future. So cheers, max and Honda and the red bull formula one team. Um, It was a beautiful season. It was the best season I have seen since Nico Rosberg took the championship and I look forward to many more. Um, Awesome job, max and Honda. Awesome job. And you know, I, I leave red bull out of it a lot. Um, That's not intentional. They have some amazing, uh, management and talent as far as their engineers and their aerodynamicists. So thank you to all of you, but man, uh, hurrah. Is that all of them? That is it for right now, because that was the most moving thing I've experienced in the last week. Uh, because when, you know, for 20 years of my life, I have loved formula one. Um, and then, you know, with Michael Schumacher's tragedy, I kind of, uh, it it, it was like when you find out Santa Claus isn't real and it's been hard for me to get fully reinvested and this kind of did it for me. So Max, I love you, man. That's, I'll put it that way. Not romantically. I appreciate you. That's my love is you have brought the art back to formula one.
0: So I guess my shout out first of all, I'm going to say, I don't really know anything (laughs) jack squat about formula one. I just know there, there was a bunch of people crying foul about
1: the win. I mean,
0: so, um, regardless, um, Hey, my, my opinion is um, whoever comes in first, uh, you're first. You know, if you if you come in second, you're the first loser. So <laughs> <laughs> if you're not first, you're last. Yeah, if you're not first, you're last. Uh, so good job, too. We're stopping and, uh, and having a good season there. Uh, but my shout-out goes to a friend of mine out in Utah. Her name's Christina. Um, she made some... Um, some homemade uh,
1: marble cake. No, not marble
0: <laughs> cake. But she did make some uh, homemade uh, uh, peach jam and she mm-hmm. sent us a bottle. And along with that, she also sent some like these uh, bath salts that kind of like, I don't know, I think it's more on the uh, metaphysical side to kind of like help whatever. Uh, and then um, she knows that I'm uh, of a certain p- political leaning. So she sent me this rock. That was signed by Roger Stone, and it says Roger, and it's on a stone. Roger Stone, very clever, right? So I just want to say thank you to her. I think that was really awesome for her to do that, um, to send uh, to send the jam and all that stuff. And actually, I ch- I tried to jam this uh, today, and it was like right before like like we let, we, <laughs> we had to go for dinner. I'm like, all right, I'm really curious to see how this tasted, right? And so I tried a little bit of it, and it was so good. at like little chunks of like peach in it. And so being the humorous self as, as I am, which, if you don't really know me, you don't probably don't know how humorous <laughs> I I don't really joke around a whole lot, or I, I can, but I just, I think recently in the last few years I've been a lot more serious. But I uh, texted her like, uh, oh, my God, Becky, look at her jam. <laughs> just to kind of like play a joke off of that uh, old uh, hip-hop song. And uh, I just complimented her on her jam saying how good it was. It tasted really great. But. Anyways, I just want to say thank you to Christina for that. And uh, she did a uh, phenomenal job on the jam.
1: That's just cool. And Christina, you know what? Um, not any, you know, sorry, I'm handling your stone. Oh, but yeah. I just got to hold this up myself. Uh, anybody who had anything to do with Reagan is a fan of mine.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, Roger Stone did work with the Reagan administration. Uh, he also worked a little bit with the Trump administration. Well, not the administration, but when, you know, as Trump was going through the election process. And then, so, but uh, yeah, Roger Stone. Uh, if you ever listen to read it or read any of his books, he uh, he actually actually I think there's a book that you would love by Roger Stone. It's all about being a gentleman and how to tie proper ties and how to dress sharply and all that stuff. Sounds I like,
1: like I wrote this book.
0: Yeah, I think you <laughs> I think you would totally love this. It's uh, I think I forget it's something gentleman or something like that. All right. But he talks. He he's written a book about like how to properly wear a suit, how to properly do your. Pocket uh, square, pocket square, and uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, I think that's a book that you would like from Roger Stone. That's awesome. We go, Jesse. All right, restaurant review. So, wait, wait, wait. One pause. Where do we go, Jesse? (laughs) Restaurant. It's for the restaurant review.
1: All right. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm trying to do is use metaphysical powers to determine the pronunciation (laughs) of the restaurant. So, how do you know
0: where we? I just know it's a Korean barbecue
1: place. We're gonna go with Chogogi. Chugogi? C-H-I-L-G-O-G-I Korean barbecue. And it's... <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Chugogi.
0: <laughs> That's
1: what I said. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, oh, man. man. Um, and so if we absolutely butchered, as I undoubtedly did, your name, I sincerely and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> and all I ask is that please leave in the comments a proper pronunciation, and we will <laughs> make a future correction after you like and subscribe <laughs> to the, <laughs> our
0: show. Hint, the only way we're going to make the correction is if you like and subscribe. <laughs> Just joking.
1: Now, that being said, this is literally right next to the sports book, which we enjoyed a frequent <laughs> Particularly because they're tachos, but it's right next uh, to the sports book at um, you know basically Clinton and Arapaho Road, and we walked in. Um, the outside, the sign is pretty cool. I, I like the sign. Kind of looks like a uh, I don't know, like a hairy, armless Bigfoot. Hairy, <laughs> yeah, <there you're> armless <laughs> Bigfoot. But um, cool sign outside. Um, you walk in the decor I think was appropriate for any restaurant I thought would absolutely thrive in a high school neighborhood or in a college town. Um, and we walked up and for me, it was somewhat reminiscent of our high school years when we used to go to a restaurant called Tokyo bowl. So you get a bowl of rice topped with your choice of meats and sauce. Um, there were some cucumber, some lettuce intermixed. And I had the spicy pork, thirteen fifty for a bowl with the spicy pork, uh, brown rice. I actually thought it was dynamite. The flavors were all great. I was pleasantly surprised after walking in not to take anything away from the decor. But when we walked in, I was like, oh, no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got the food. Um, the host or waiter, if you will, is the one who recommended the spicy pork. And at first I was like, whoa, 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 how spicy is the spicy pork? Because I've gone down that road before and I was putting that fire out for days. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, nope, Um, he recommended it, said if something wasn't right, he would take care of it. He would make it right. It was right. He didn't have to take care of anything. Um, The young man did a fabulous job, and my food was great, Uh, (laughs) numerologically. um, Ratings I'll get to in a second, but what did you think about it?
0: Well, I got the uh, barbecue beef version of it. Um, It was really good. Um, Likewise, um, as you mentioned, it kind of reminded me of the, like, kind of, like, Japanese beef bowls where you Mm -hmm. get the teriyaki beef bowls where you have the teriyaki uh, or the thinly sliced teriyaki beef or chicken on top of rice. And actually growing up, um, my dad being um, half Japanese and half Portuguese coming from Hawaii, uh, they're used to... and. I think in our younger years, there's a lot more of those kind of like uh, those beef bowl places around. And I've always loved, I've always loved beef bowls. I've always thought they're great. And uh, there's a place out in Utah, which I actually like more than this one, which is called Cup Bop, And it's a Korean uh, type style uh, bowl, kind of like this. But this place was actually really good. The uh, restaurant itself was very clean when you walk in. Yeah um so they had very well kept up um i think probably covid might have uh, affected it because it wasn't as busy as i would have expected it to be um but it like the food was definitely on point like the uh the uh the the barbecue beef was phenomenal it came with like a little spicy dipping sauce uh, which I liked. It was tasty. It was a little bit like it was like on the verge of my spicy level, which is not very high. Um, but uh, he also offered to give me some uh, teriyaki, and uh, so he brought some teriyaki over, and he also brought over the soy sauce and stuff like that. And like yours, it had the um, I'm not sure if it was uh, if it was lettuce or cabbage in there. I uh, think and um, the cucumber and carrots along with the brown, I had a choice of white rice or brown rice, and I went with the brown rice option. And it tasted great. I like, you know, the, the uh, teriyaki sauce, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the homemade teriyaki sauce that I was taught how to make, where it has like that really nice ginger flavor to it. And this had a nice ginger flavor. And I I love that of the, it wasn't like, because, you know, here, here, before I start tripping over my words too much, when you go to some Japanese restaurants, and you get teriyaki chicken or teriyaki beef or whatever. um, Sometimes their teriyaki is very sweet. Mm. And it's like overly sugary. Uh, This, like I said, was uh, actually I think it was less on the sweet side and more on the ginger side, which I really like.
1: The, the ginger flavor, absolutely. You pointed that out while we were at the restaurant. And when I tried it, literally, I went from dipping to pouring that onto <laughs> my That's exactly what my, I did. My <laughs> meat, so.
0: <laughs> and uh, to your point, too, the wait staff there or the, the workers there, just kind of like how it was last week when we talked about the chicken shack. Yeah. these The, the two employees there, they were generally like, in, like, uh, bought into their company, mm-hmm. they had great attitudes. They were super helpful, helpful, and um, you could tell they were just generally in a good mood, and they were happy to be there. And I really appreciate that about their about the service. I wish I would have gotten their names because I would give them a shout out, but I didn't get their names. Um, but the gentleman, he did a phenomenal job, mm-hmm. and the uh, the lady coworker there, she is also very nice and polite. But you could tell, I think. The uh, the gentleman was probably maybe the uh, manager on duty or something like that, and he I think he went the extra mile to make sure he did. our food was uh, the right temperature, right flavors, and all that. So yeah. I give him I give him pretty high marks uh, for the type of food and restaurant that it is. Yeah. Um, I guess do we want to do yeah let's ratings? do some
1: rankings. How would you rate it?
0: Okay, so. The decor or ambiance, actually, I think it's just like if you go to like a fast food type of place, Mm -hmm. um, higher than like a Wendy's or something like that, but lower than like a sit down place. So I'm going to give it like a a seven. Uh, And really, I guess if I'm going to be truthfully honest here, maybe a 7.5 to almost an eight because of the cleanliness, because it looked very clean in Mm -hmm. there. Uh, the waitstaff, I'm going to give them an eight because they're super friendly. The food, um, sometimes I only eat one meal a day. Um, and a lot of times, I think with American portions, uh, when you go to most restaurants, uh, if, you, if you go to, like, travel to, like, Europe and some other countries, uh, meal portions are much smaller than what you get here in the United States. So usually you can go to a restaurant and have one meal a day. And that's, that's a pretty, usually it's a pretty large meal. Uh, I think this was an appropriate size, but maybe if you're going to have one meal for the day, it's probably not the right size. You probably need a little bit more because I will admit I was still a little bit hungry afterwards. Uh, but that's just probably my own fault for only having one meal
1: for the day. Hey, um, the beer filled us up. Yeah, so afterwards <laughs> we went next door to the
0: sports bucket and grabbed a, a large beer. So I probably didn't need all that either. But anyways.
1: <laughs> It wasn't that big. No, it wasn't. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess uh, the food, I, I'll give it like a, a seven. Because I think it was like, it felt like it was healthy enough. Um, it was, um, I think proportional size was it was the right amount. So I think overall, I'll give it like a 7.5, which I think is pretty good for kind of a fast foody place. Yeah. So that's, uh, I think you could, if you're in high school or college to your point, I think good first date place. I think um, it could be even, um, I think if you're like more established in life, maybe not a good first date place, but a good place to maybe go for a quick bite to eat. Um, or if you're in the dating scene, sometimes they talk. Well, he, well, hear me out here. If you're in the dating scene, like in the, like in your like mid-20s and 30s. That's where we're at. Yeah, that's where we're at. I'm, there's sometimes they, they talk about like doing like what's called like coffee dates where you just kind of go there for something my, like something small. I think you, this is passable for a quote-unquote coffee or get-to-know type of place to go and meet if you're just doing like a lunch date. Um, but I would not take them as a date date for dinner. But yeah. like a lunch date or a coffee date, date type of thing, I think – it's workable.
1: So what you're saying is, when we go pick up the chicks and we're just meeting them at the door, and they've used all those filters and they're fugly, not just ugly, then this is where we take them for a coffee date. So when they ask where's the coffee, we say,
0: mm. "Sure." <laughs> I'm just saying it's more of like a lunch date rather than a <laughs> than a like a true like life. dinner date. Yeah,
1: this is the closest you're going to get to coffee with me, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Um, All right. For me, I probably rather do coffee.
0: Dinner, but whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying it's okay for a lunch. Date.
1: Yeah. God. Dude. Caffeine stimulant. I get it. First date. Get her, get her high. <laughs> So for me, environment, uh, and this is, you know, really considering some of the things I agree with you, uh, a Taco Bell or Wendy's would typically be a five, very average, very mainstream, nothing outgoing. For me, this place was a six. And again, it's uh, the decor was pretty simple. Nothing I would expect. Nothing less than I would expect. Um, I don't expect more. But you got to remember six is still better than average. So for me, decor is a six super clean. Give it props for that for the service right up there at an eight only because i uh, i was literally dumbfounded by how far that gentleman went to make sure we had the right sauce and that teriyaki made the dish even better. Um, I gotta say that's probably some of the best brown rice I've ever had in my life. I was floored by how great this little bowl that was 1350 was. Now 1350 today a year ago was probably seven dollars. Thank you, Biden inflation, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know um, it was still uh, it was still a great value, especially considering inflation, what that's done to the prices we've experienced as of late um the food oh man this is where it gets tricky because you can't go comparing it to a five star restaurant no you can't but what you can say is what you got for the value um is an 8 for me, it was, it was fun. It was a, a great place to go with a friend just to get a quick bite, it's mostly healthy. They do have a nice fountain machine, some different green cheese, and other options of as far as drinks. Um, I stuck with my general diet coke, and it was a great fountain diet coke. Sometimes you get bad <laughs> fountain diet coke, great fountain diet coke to go along with the very, I would say, health conscious meal, and I didn't regret any of that. Would I take a first date there? For me. Probably not. Would I take a second date there? Eh, I don't know. Is it uh, casual? Yes. Is it formal? Most likely not. Like you don't go don't go getting dressed. But I think you were in high school. Yeah. No. This place literally was a place. I thought, man, man, this is if this was down the street from our high school when we went to high school, we'd have been there several times a week. Exactly. Um, If I was living in a college town, still going to college,
0: I'd go there several times
1: a week. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I thought for that, like. Two thumbs up. It was a great restaurant from those standpoints, uh, but not something where it's like Denver's top 10 for me. However, and you are not going wrong if you're just going out to get a, a good, healthy, quick bite with a friend. Smart. Aliens, predators, in a real battle, which is the dominant species and why?
0: Wow, that is such a yeah. I'll have a little bit more. Um, I'm assuming you want me to go first, and you'll you'll, I, you'll, you'll take us I, home.
1: Dude, I can go first. We can go back and forth.
0: Okay. So he, here's a. I guess for me it's much about like technology and a and a humanoid type of uh creature because like obviously the predator is uh what is it called bipedal or something like that where where it's they walk on two legs they have two arms they're, they're pretty similar to humans except for the face and stuff like that um but they're highly advanced so you can tell by their weaponry that they rely on their technology quite a bit the aliens to me they're like ants and i don't mean like ants in a bad way i mean like they have like a mother like the queen ant or the in this case the queen alien who drops like a crap ton of like eggs and then she has a bunch of drones and she can mentally control them uh because there's some kind of i'm not sure if it's like through pheromones or how they communicate uh but like the like the queen ants or the queen bug can communicate with the drones and so I think it really becomes uh a matter of of um advanced advanced uh humanoid technology versus uh more like nature. And uh, I think if you if you put them one on one, right, if you put like a predator versus one alien, I think the predator will, will come out on top very easily. Uh, but if you get That's like a uh, but if you get like a queen who's like dropping a crap ton of eggs and they're all hatching in crap and they have like people to gestate in uh, and then they're popping out a bunch of aliens uh, and you have one predator that that dude screwed. Um, and uh, I think uh, with a the predator, they can blow up a planet, or at least take one out, and you can pretty much pretty much eliminate a colony of aliens. I guess on the reverse side, I don't think aliens are like uh uh intelligent enough to do that uh, in the sense of like taking out a planet and destroying it by like blowing it up and stuff. But I think they can very well overwhelm a planet by overpopulating it and, like, tearing the crap out of people. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it just kind of depends on, like, what the arena is, what the situation is. And uh, due to that, I think that will determine who would win a battle. And I'm only basing this off of, like, two Alien versus Predator movies. And in both cases... The uh there's more aliens than there were predators, and the predators therefore needed help from a human to help uh, defeat the alien or aliens, because there's more than one. Yeah, so, those things like
1: breed like rabbits. Exactly. So <laughs> uh
0: I think if you're like I said, one on one, I'm giving it to the predator. If we're talking about like if you get a queen laying eggs and you got the like the little spiny, crawly things that are ingesting in people's bodies and stuff. I'm giving it to the aliens if it's just like mono y mono But if you got like a whole army of predators versus a whole like army of aliens, uh, I think the alien uh, the predators might win if they can take their, their ship away and just start blowing the crap out of the planet, and just leave them there. But if the alien gets on the ship, then they're all screwed. I mean,
1: that's a, an interesting. You're not. You're not wrong. They might be in trouble. Um, But one of the things that's very interesting to me is when I think about what you're saying and also uh, the two species in particular, the aliens have uh, literally, they're almost like a virus, right? So they go from one plant to another. They're they're a species. They literally can be bred from other species and adapt to different environments. Um, So they are... A rodent. But one thing we know about rodents is typically these things don't go away. You can kill a small amount, but they continue to come back. Um, The predators now are, in my mind, as you mentioned, far more advanced. So terraforming. They're going from planet to planet. They are... Uh, breeding somehow I have no idea how (laughs) if they're asexual or what that may look like for them Uh, but they are absolutely breeding and they have gone from galaxy to galaxy universe to universe at least and with that established different communities and different challenges so they know there's a control and they use their controls in place. You mentioned if they needed to, they could blow up a planet. I think that's all predetermined as far as they've got a bigger plan in case they fail in one particular instance. Now, what really gets crazy to me is thinking about the predators, not so different than some humans, by the way. And I've got nothing against hunting or uh, fishing or any of those fun sports, but the predators are almost going after a nearly, nearly impossible task of hunting down and terminating a challenge of aliens from place to place to place or from from one species to another um, to be self-crowned or crowned by their own species. Uh, but really their goal is to reestablish in different areas and reestablish dominance from universe to universe and galaxy to galaxy. And I think for me is, I think of the little bit, as you mentioned, a little bit of the story. If you think about it, the aliens are the only species that have absolutely thrown them a curveball where they don't automatically always win. And so there have come times where you mentioned if they need to, and they do, they're like, oh, yeah, hey, man, you, your boy, uh, he failed down there on Earth. You got to cut out that piece <laughs> of the planet. Let's start fresh another time, right? And, yeah. I, and I think you're right. What's wild to me is that these aliens, they don't die. Like, The predators, we know they... And so when I say aliens don't die, they do die. But uh, by frigid temperatures or insane temperatures, they survive. They're out there in space surviving. Um, Some of it is almost unbelievable, if you will. Uh, But the fact that they could be frozen and then thawed out and regenerated, it's much like some of the insects on Earth where, yeah, your average spider ain't going to make it to... 32 degrees without dying. However, you got brown recluses and other species of spiders that can live at negative 20. And so they can live to negative 20? Yeah, man.
0: Those things are nasty. (laughs) They They are nasty.
1: nasty. There are some really nasty insects out there.
0: There there are are no brown recluses in Colorado. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: We're one of their, like, high grounds.
0: Oh, I knew they were in Utah. I didn't think they were in
1: Colorado. No, they're in Colorado, too, and they're teeny. Like, Teeny little bugs, tons of poison. They leave you alone unless you go messing with them. So just don't mess with spiders. You're probably good. <laughs> I hate spiders. Right. And so with aliens, to me, it's interesting because you mentioned insects and they are absolutely... Much like insects, there is a mother laying eggs, and much like spiders or other insects, the mother's going around picking up other bugs and stuff. So in this case, humans, uh, and planting them with the egg, or in this case, the egg erupts and out comes a little nightmarish spider with a tail and embeds its egg down your throat into your esophagus
0: and have the alien like spread out of your chest. Yeah,
1: it's yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, but not so different than any other of the dominant insects on the planet. You got to consider these bugs were probably here before we were here.
0: I think if you really (laughs) want to consider, I think if if the bug, if the bugs were intelligent enough and they could all combine together, uh, they could definitely wipe out humanity
1: where it does get tricky is. And I think that the storyline for me very much does, copy humans versus the rest of nature's animals um, at the end of the day should there really be a challenge by us they go extinct but that doesn't mean it was easy that doesn't mean we have our own fatalities uh, but in the long game if we were terraforming and if we were going from planet to planet to try to expand our own footprint that we would also be smart enough to know hey Bruh, you just took over the wrong planet. Uh, All the colonists, they're done. Aliens done took them over. You got to get rid of that planet. And that's exactly what would be done. So, uh,
0: I was about to ask you. You made a a point I wanted to ask you about, and I totally spaced it
1: out. Was it insects? Because another great example is, you know, we got space bugs in...
0: Space bugs?
1: Yeah, man, space bugs, you know.
0: Are you talking about um, Starship Troopers? Yeah,
1: space bugs. Those things are giant, though. They're not (laughs) the little guys we face. We go and step on them. They come and step on us.
0: (laughs) Come join. A good bug is a dead bug, Squish.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, it's real, though. It's one of those things where you change just that field where the technology versus size right now we don't know an opponent like that we don't know an alien Uh, we are the predators we do know bigger animals tigers lions and bears oh my (laughs) but uh the difference is we've got guns we've got technology that we use uh you reverse that and you have bugs that are 10 times our size it's gonna be a whole different game
0: yes it would be and and here's the thing you know that they're they at least have some kind of intelligence um and it's not just purely survival or anything like that there's got to be there's some kind of communication that happens between them to where they can direct themselves as a group and even as like like just like if you look at ants for example Mm -hmm. or even bees they can swarm together and they can definitely take out a human we're definitely like bigger than they are, stronger than they are. We have, we're more advanced technology-wise than they are. But on, a, uh, on an overwhelming basis where they overwhelm you, they can definitely take out a human on a one-to-one battle. But technology-wise, I guess if we like were to like throw in our technology with like uh, bug sprays and all other kinds of stuff, we don't necessarily wipe them out, but we can't put them at bay.
1: I thought you were going to mention 5G towers, Psh, Bug, you're dead. <laughs> uh, well, I guess if we want to talk about 5G, we could. I mean, that does kill, not only
0: not only does it like, kill plants and animals, but it also harms humans by disrupting the natural frequency in our bodies. But we won't go there. Yeah. That's a conspiracy theory anyway. All
1: right. No COVID for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a whole another conspiracy theory. That if you look at five G uh, symptoms, a lot of those symptoms are similar to uh, COVID. And one of the very first places that had five uh, G fully capable was Wuhan,
1: and
0: a certain virus came out of Wuhan originally.
1: Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just saying. I mean, you guys can do the research.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, so who do you think ultimately wins here?
1: So for, for me, ultimately, it is the Predators. But I think there's also this ultimate trying situation where they almost hunt the livestock to death uh, something that we have done with so many different animals uh, that have become near instinct or in fact have become instinct because if that is your one mission in life that's the really the problem is that you hunt everything until it's gone and then you got nothing to eat uh, but i think that's the in- the fun part about aliens being their greatest adversary is these things breed like crazy. They can. They thought they have been able to put them from time to time, or planet to planet, galaxy to galaxy, in different areas, uh, particularly on Earth, in the different pyramids, and yet. All of a sudden, they've had to create bombs and eliminate the aliens and anything else that might be considered a livestock. Because let's face it, we know these aliens don't just uh, inseminate, if you will, (laughs) humans, but uh, can do it to other species. Um, And with that, one of the amazing pieces of technology with the predators is when they set off their bombs, they don't necessarily destroy everything that is non-biological around. There are still structures and other things that are left, unlike an atomic bomb that uh, we have used that absolutely floors everything. Okay. So super advanced technology, another form of technology that does a different sort of damage.
0: So I think ultimately I'm going to go with a toss-up. And the only reason why I'm saying it's a toss-up it's because I think it's based on situational uh, battlefields and and, and, and uh, different uh, combat zones. Because like if it's like I said, if it's uh, just one on one, definitely think Predator. If it's uh, one with multiple aliens and no help, I think the aliens could overwhelm them. Uh, or her, I, I'm not sure. I think I'm not, I'm not even sure what sex the predators are, but whatever. But I think they would be overwhelmed if it's uh you know if the aliens can start mass producing and popping a lot of eggs. Um, ultimately, I think uh, as long as one doesn't get onto a ship, they can blow up a sh- they could blow up a planet, just like you said. But yet they seem to pop up another another planets too. So. They obviously get onto some ships and move move around places. So um, I think it just has to do with the uh, situational battles, uh, whether or not who would win. Um, I think there's a greater chance, and with how how the aliens spread, that ultimately they could probably survive longer than the Predators. But I think... Depending on how you, how you fight the battles, the predators kick
1: them off Aliens are like weeds. They just spread like crazy. <laughs> literally. About. No, you're not wrong. I, I fully agree. They spread like weeds. But consider this. So you've got, at this point, I think, in my mind... The Predators seem like the ultimate question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, it doesn't matter. The Predator may have been the chicken or the egg, but he came first. And with that, he established technology and a structure... Of locations, not just one, so that there are multiple areas. Then there's also this whole hunting structure, which we've seen that's real in many different ways. Uh, I think a good example of that is the Spartans were all sent on, and you could even say that for Mormons, they're all sent on a mission, <laughs> a mission um, to accomplish before they come back and then become a, a solid piece of the community and the structure of that community. Um, with those missions, as it comes with the predators, they are out to hunt and kill and prove themselves and then they're allowed to come back. Um, going back to the Spartans, uh, the difference between the Spartans and others was structure. I think the difference between Predators and others isn't just structure or intelligence, but it's also they're already established. So they're on so many planets in multiple universes, e multiple galaxies, that should an alien land on one of their ships and be taken home? A, first of all, Let's just consider they probably have a ship that can tell if there's something attached to it on the outside. Pretty advanced technology here, um, but it, even if it couldn't, it gets back onto this next planet. If it does start to go wrong, uh, one of their sister planets or brother planets blows them up like Alien Terminated. It's problem solved, or that piece of it. Um, then the, the other thing is, is like we know how aliens reproduce how do predators reproduce what's have, their re- reproductive rate I
0: have no idea that's my biggest but, question but I think they must have families because I I believe and I I, I just get a sense for this I don't really I don't I don't remember it ever saying it in the movies but in the alien versus predator it looks like either the guy at the like near the end because uh, like the one predator who gets helped out by the black lady um, he died, like that predator dies. And I think that predator might have been the son to the head of the predator there, of the predator that was on the ship, or maybe it might have been a chieftain to like a lower one. But it just seemed like there was like a little bit more of a relationship there than a chieftain to like a low level Indian or type of thing, you know.
1: Fully agree. Uh,
0: so I think that was a son father thing there.
1: Fully agree. And fun fact, you know who that father alien was? Uh-uh. John F. Travolta, dude. Yes. <laughs> yes, no joke. So when the first time I watched it, I looked into it because I watched it and I'm like, hey man, that guy, like the way he turned, it reminded me of John Travolta and Face Off and many other. <laughs> so I looked into it. Go check out the credits, man. It's crazy. Like how much did John Travolta get paid to be like, here's a spear, peace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. (laughs) Face off. Great movie, by the way. I want to see his face. (laughs) It's still referenced in other movies. That's when you know you've made an impact with a movie. John Woo did a great job directing that man. A plus. (laughs) Uh, But so really, I guess for me, assuming the predators have a reproductive rate that exceeds uh, the rate at which they're dying. They can continue to dominate the aliens. That would be my one question that I would need to answer it. But uh, I'm assuming that already because they've already moved from planet to planet, uh, universe to universe, possibly galaxy to galaxy. And with that, they have become the dominant species in my mind. They win.
0: Okay. I I mean, uh, like I said, I'm kind of I'm kind of a toss-up area. I'll go either way on this one. Um. So, all right, cool. Any other anything else you want to cover on this uh, particular subject here?
1: No, I think that uh, the truth of the matter is uh, predators will, and the aliens in fact are a predator, but the predators hunt for game versus survival. Uh, just drive. The aliens don't need to do that. It's, they're just driven into it. They're literally trying to terminate everything. It's almost—it's um, almost the aliens' undoing. In the end, is that even if they did totally overrun a planet, then what?
0: Yeah, it's a great question.
1: Like it's over, game over. Good job, you overran a planet. You are the plague. You are a virus. You killed everything else. <laughs> um, now, unless some other planet collides or somebody's foolish enough to land well, on that time- planet, you're done. Like you—you go nowhere.
0: Talking about them being a virus, though, right? That I mean, that kind of almost brings into the whole uh, original movie. Uh, like, did, did you take that, like that uh, in in at Smoke Hill? I can't remember if you're in the same same class I film was in class? that film class where they where we uh, broke down the Alien movie and stuff like that, and how like how super sexual, dark sexual it was, and all that stuff. All right. But okay. It, it it is a Ridley Scott movie, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think when you started talking about all that, I think mean, there's a whole lot that you could really dive super deep into that into that movie and the whole going like going with the um, uh, Prometheus and all that stuff, um, and how they are a virus or you know,
1: they the were dark side. they were intended to infect.
0: Yeah. So I think we could probably pick that up, like, maybe another time for another subject matter. Um, so unless I, – I don't really have anything else to say on this one. Like so I'm just going to leave it as a toss-up. Dude, I just you're, like, that.
1: tossing the coin, and I'm, like, no predators all the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can say predators all the way. I'm just going to say I think it's just situational based on who I would, would lay my bet on.
1: All right. Now, for the viewers out there, let us know what you think. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, we do want to know.
0: <laughs> yeah, who do you guys think would we'll win? Aliens or the Predators? Is it a situational battle or will the predator Predators always come out on top type of thing?
1: Predators always come out on top. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, anything else there? That's it. All right. So my smarter challenge is just going to be based upon one movie. I think it has a... Uh, uh, I think there's a lot you could break down with it. Um, break down. Break down with this movie, but it's going to be on the 12 Monkeys.
1: Ooh, a little Brad Pitt action. Yeah, Bruce Willis. Or Bruce Brad Pitt Willis, man. And Brad Pitt. Bruce Willis is a badass.
0: Yeah. You know another good movie to probably break down? At Die time? Hard? No. I was gonna, well, Die Hard would be a good one. That's not the <laughs> one I was thinking of. I was thinking about Fight Club.
1: Yeah. Fight Club, the great Lebowski. There's a lot of yeah. great options in our future. But I
0: think uh I think Twelve Monkeys would be interesting. I think uh there's some things that go on with the Twelve Monkeys that could be re- could relate to what we're uh viewing uh today. Um and some of the, there might be some like parallels there. And I think it'd just be kind of fun to um to kind of break that movie down and, and just take like um, some thought process about like how that movie, uh, you know, whatever route we want to go with that movie, uh, you because mentioned... you, you have like time, you have time travel in there, you have a virus in there, you have uh um all kinds of things going on. What are you about to say?
1: I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name either, but Chuck Plunk. Sure. Yeah. he's... <laughs> That's what I said. Um, the guy who wrote Fight Club actually is a pretty good author. He's written some other really interesting pieces of work as well. Um, and it, it is super interesting. Fight Club in itself is uh, particularly interesting, though, because it's not, yeah, I don't, I'm, we're not talking about that tonight. It's a future smarter challenge, but it's deep.
0: It, it's a super deep movie yeah because you're talking about like different uh personalities and all and then materialism versus uh other things and yeah I think it's a I think it's a great movie it's another great one to analyze and kind of discuss yeah all right so that's the smarter challenge we're gonna talk about uh 12, 12
1: monkeys all right Bruce, hey, Willis, Bruce Willis Brad Pitt
0: Brad Pitt and however whatever route we want to take with that
1: the future. And how it applies to right now?
0: <laughs> you can do it that way, or however you. I mean, you could look at the time travel aspect uh, to it, because I mean, I think if you like I, on the internet, they have like sometimes they talk about like the pictures where they show like time travelers and like in these old black and white pictures and stuff like that. Um, so I, it, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it's possible. Maybe it's not. But we could talk about all like, in that aspect, virus aspect. Talk about how like. There was a, uh, this, uh, was it, um, uh, the smallpox, uh, that was, uh, found in Philadelphia and oddly enough, 12 monkeys took place in Philadelphia. Huh. I don't know. Just saying there's some crazy stuff out there.
1: Some smart authors using some little bit of random pieces, too. Yeah, I would
0: agree with that. I would agree with that. All right, so anything you want to say to the piece before we go?
1: Oh, uh, do not drink and drive. Please drink responsibly. Uh, remember, life is great. This is a Light great juice. Macallan 12 oh, yeah. double cask. Uh, for me, man, this is a dessert scotch. This is one that goes great with any of those desserts we love. Uh, Don't hesitate to bring it to a party now for me. Still not. It's not my top three, but it's still a great scotch.
0: Very good. Anything to the people? No,
1: just remember life is great.
0: Life is great. All right. Well, that's it. Then I'm going to say thank you for watching us. Uh, We greatly appreciate your, your support. Um, And uh, please uh, let us know about your thoughts about aliens versus predators uh, let us know about any topics, uh, drop some, uh, drop some information there in the comments. We'll be more than happy to respond to you. Uh, we are on, uh, YouTube, Rumble, uh, Spotify, Podbean, uh, Google, uh, uh Google Podcast, Amazon Music, and, uh, Audible Podcasts, and, uh, yeah, uh, also, I guess, uh, one last thing, um. We are looking at a possibility, we probably should announce it now if we're going to do it. Um, Are we doing anything for the Matrix?
1: We got to do something, we got to figure out a timeline.
0: Okay, so stay tuned, Uh, we'll probably be doing some kind of Matrix special possibly, uh, and we'll probably reach out to maybe some of our uh, past uh, guest hosts and see if we can't do like a... A party type thing uh, because I believe we can watch it on HBO max or something like uh, something like that And uh kind of do just like a round-robin talk show as we watch it live or something like that uh, we thought about doing a whole theater thing, but with the All the craziness going on. We're not really sure if that's really feasible at this point, but
1: new restrictions with new COVID restrictions, Going yeah. back and forth and complicating Ex- a lot
0: exactly and uh, so, uh, if you do want to be, if you do like our content, uh, and you want to, if you want to, uh, become a patron, you can be, uh, be, you can, uh, take the very first link in the comments area and become a patron for as low as $1 a month. Uh, if you know us, and you want to give us a Christmas gift, you could do that as a Christmas gift for us. Uh, that's only $12 for the whole year, right? Uh, and that's we'll thank you
1: every month. Yes. <laughs> and we will thank you every
0: month. And, uh that does help go to our equipment to improve all that. And, uh, uh, with all that, I just want to say thank you again for your support and, uh, come join us again next week at the same Scotch time, same Scotch hour. Cheers. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch hour. If you did, please like share and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful year.